good morning. A couple, a few years back when I was still working at Verizon, there was somehow we found this glitch, and I don't know who it was, but this was back in the days when two-year contracts were still a thing, and they had this promotional going on where they wanted people that were still in flip phones or non-smartphones, basic phones, to upgrade into smartphones because it's more profitable and, and all that. And there was this promotion where if you were still in a two-year contract, but you had a flip phone, if you were to upgrade to a smartphone, you were allowed to upgrade early. Now, some of the sales guys figured this out where basically they would say, hey, I can, basically we found out that if you have a smartphone, but you activated a flip phone or a basic phone on one of your smartphone lines and waited 24 hours, lo and behold, you could upgrade early. And so some of the, it was a glitch in the system. Some of the salesmen were kind of using that as a way to like sell more things. Like someone comes in with a broken phone and they're upset, like, hey, I'll get you a phone even though you're still in contract, blah, blah, blah. Me, out of the kindness of my heart, was only going to do that if someone actually needed help. And so one day, this guy comes in, he's upset because his son had broke his phone, his birthday was coming up, and sometimes when people would come in, they'd be mad about something when it was their fault. Like, they broke their phone, they didn't get insurance, whatever, they got in. This guy was very nice, he was like, is there anything we could do, blah, blah, blah. And out of the kindness of my heart, I said, just for you, I've got something I can do for you. And so I basically told him, here's what's happening, if you have a, he was like, do you have a flip phone? He's like, yes. I was like, hey, bring it in. Let me activate on your line. If you wait 24 hours, come the next day, and then we can actually upgrade early even though you don't have a phone that's eligible to upgrade. So he comes in later that day, gives me this basic phone, flip phone, I, and I activate it on that phone number. I say, great, come in tomorrow evening, and we're all good. Well, the next morning, it was a Saturday morning, so Saturdays are really busy. Lo and behold, as fate would have it, Verizon fixed that glitch so that you could no longer activate a phone and in 24 hours upgrade it. And so then I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm really not supposed to do this. And, okay, well, I'll just call him. This really stinks. So I call him, this nice, respectful guy. I say, here's what's going on. Unfortunately, this isn't going to work. To which he responds, well, you told me you could fix my problem, and you said you had a solution. So when I come in later this afternoon, I expect you to handle it. So I said, okay, this is great. So I said, okay, I'll try what to do. And I'm like, okay, good. So now I've got to tell my manager what's going on. He's going to get mad at me. The customer's going to get mad at me. What am I going to do here? Because he can't upgrade his phone, and I promised that he could. Now, why do I share that story? Uh, today, we are finishing our series, Things Jesus Never Said, as we're looking at things that people often say that are actually not found anywhere in Scripture, nor did Jesus himself say that. As we finish our series today, we are looking at the statement that God will never give you more than you can handle. It's a common phrase. We often say it when we're trying to make somebody feel better, maybe <clears throat> about a difficult situation. That is not found anywhere in Scripture. Now, some people might kind of get that idea from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where the writer says that God will, if we're ever in a tempting situation, he will provide a way out. But in that context, if you're here, part of New City, you know we've been going through 1 Corinthians this year. We, we, we hit that chapter a few weeks ago. He's talking specifically about sin in your life. He's not talking about difficulties you may face. So spoiler alert, that phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle, is not found anywhere in Scripture. And so the question is this. Let me ask you this as we begin. Have you ever gone through something you couldn't handle? I think most of us, if we're being honest, our experience would actually tell us uh, that we have, and therefore that God actually does allow you to go through things that you can not handle on your own. I think many of us either have or will in the future go through things that are overwhelming, that are stressful, that we just don't know what to do. And so the question then is, what do we do? Right? If God loves us and he's a good God and he cares, and yet he allows us to go through things that seemingly are more than we can handle, 
what do we do with that? Now, if you're in that position, whether in the past or maybe currently right now, you're going through something really difficult, the good news is you are not alone. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians, uh, he's, he, and if you're not familiar with him, he's kind of one of the foundational leaders of the early church. If we were going to have like a Christian Hall of Fame, Paul would probably be the first inductee. He was beaten multiple times, starved, shipwrecked, ultimately killed for claiming that Jesus rose from the dead. So he is someone who we think is a super Christian, right? Here's what he says in verse 8. He says, We don't want you to be aware, unaware, brothers and sisters, of our affliction that took place in Asia. So something happened to Paul and some of the people that are with him. We're not quite sure what it was, but it was apparently very difficult because he says this. <clears throat> he says, We were completely overwhelmed beyond our strength so that we even despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. In other words, we have Paul here who is going through something very difficult, who is basically saying, I can't handle this. So the good news is if you're there, you're not alone. Psalms, and of course, we have plenty of examples we could go to. I'll just read one in Psalm 38. This was written by King David, who was the king of Israel at the time. He writes this. He says, for my iniquities have flooded over my head. They are a burden too heavy for me to bear. My wounds are foul and festering because of my foolishness. I am bent over and brought very low. All day long I go around in mourning, for my insides are full of burning pain, and there is no soundness in my body. I am faint and severely crushed. I groan because of the anguish of my heart. In other words, what we seem to be seeing here is that uh, uh, Paul, David, and many others all throughout Scripture, for whatever reason and whatever circumstance either God has given and or allowed them to go through more than they can handle, that they have been, that, uh, been there as well. If you're familiar with the story of Job in the Old Testament, right? He's this guy who's super righteous, he's blameless, he's full of integrity, who lo basically loses everything. All of his kids, all of his possessions are taken from him. He, the only person that survives is his wife who tells him to curse God and die. Uh, he receives physical pain and, bo and boils, and so emotional, physical, spiritual, all this torment. And then he has friends who come along and basically say, it's all your fault. Now, the story of Job is difficult because you have this righteous man, and of course commentators will debate this, but there is this idea that Job was actually sinless. Now we know no one is sinless except Jesus, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story of Job is to present to us a man who was actually chasing after God, who loved God, and yet for whatever reason was going through extremely difficult things for ways he never understood, and it's not because he did anything to deserve it. And yet Job, the righteous of the righteous, the holy of the holy, right, the most blameless person that there could be, is also going through something that they can't handle. Or if you're familiar with me, if you're, go, if you're part of New City, you know my story of losing my dad to a suicide when I was 19 years old. Now, in that moment, I don't think God is singing, you know, saying, well, I think their family can handle it. You know, his mom, his brothers, who my youngest brother at the time was 14 years old. I don't think God would say, he's 14. I think he can do this. I'm going to let this happen. No, that's not the case. In fact, uh, one of my biggest regrets in life, I don't know if I can say this, but I didn't get in trouble first service, um, was that I've never gotten a fight. Like, I've never gotten, like, an actual fist fight with somebody. Now, I share that because now that I'm older and a pastor, I'm no longer allowed to do that. Like, there's just... I guess if somebody were to hurt my kids, and that may be the only chance, but I don't want that to happen. So I'm not allowed to have a fight. Now, why do I say that? If you had come up to me in the days or weeks following my father's death, and you would have said, hey, Dylan, good news. God will never give you more than you can handle. I would have punched you in the face. Like, I, 
Because I'm like, what do you mean I, can, I cannot handle the situation? You might be in a similar situation. Maybe miscarriage or infertility. Maybe it's divorce or a broken relationship or the fact that you're trying to honor God and he has not yet provided you a spouse. Uh, maybe it's a financial hardship that you have no idea how you're going to get through it. Maybe it's regret in your life of things that have happened, of chances or opportunities that you've missed. Maybe it's depression. We have all been there. In other words, here's what I want us to know as we look at this phrase this morning, that you will experience more than you can handle. You will experience that. And a lot of us already know that to be true of our lives. And so I just want to be honest about the reality of the world that we live in, that you and I, no matter how holy or righteous or no matter how much we may even on the opposite uh, spectrum sin and turn from God, all of us will experience more than we can handle. Now, as I say that, maybe you're like, yeah, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like God would let that happen. I mean, I get you went through something difficult. This series is called Things Jesus Never Said. And so let me just read to you what Jesus' experience of this was like. This is in Mark uh, chapter 13. If you're familiar with what's going on here, this is the night that Jesus is going to be betrayed. He's going to be handed over to the Romans, unfairly you know, accused, crucified, and all that sort of thing. And so this is after he has the last supper, the final supper with his disciples, and he's going to pray. He's going to pray, and then soon after that, late in the night, Judas, one of his disciples, is going to betray him. The Roman soldiers are going to come. Here's what happens, verse 32. It says this, uh, Then they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John, so three disciples in particular, with him, I guess to another spot, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake. He went a little farther, fell to the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. What do we have? We have Jesus, the God man, who's going through something extremely difficult, pleading that God would take, away, take this away from him. Now, some people might be saying, well, maybe it's just there for dramatic effect, or he was just trying to kind of teach them the significance of the moment, but he himself, like he wasn't really that stressed out. Here's what Luke's account of that same story, he says this in Luke 22. It says, being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. In other words, this is not something to be taken lightly. In other words, that Jesus was actually physically and emotionally overwhelmed, uh, full of anxiety, full of stress about what was going to happen. Now, I don't think it's because he was worried about the physical torment that he was going to experience. Yes, that was going to be absolutely excruciatingly difficult. I think what he was worried about for all of eternity, him and the Father have been in perfect communion with one another, and he is about to experience the wrath and the punishment that all of us deserve, that he's going to be separated from God for a short amount of time so that any one of us who desires to trust and follow in him will never have to experience the death that he is going to experience. Now, what is going on here is this medical phrase that they didn't know back then, but we know now. It's called uh, hematidrosis, and this is what this is. It's a real thing. It's a condition that results in the excretion of blood or blood pigment in the sweat. It says, under the conditions of great emotional stress, uh, tiny uh, ca uh, capillaries in the sweat glands can rupture, thus mixing with blood and perspiration. While the extent of blood loss is generally minimal, uh, hermatidrosis also results in the skin becoming extremely tender and fragile, which would have made Christ's pending physical insults even more 
painful. We know this is a real thing. There's been studies about soldiers who are about to go into war who've experienced this or people who've been in high-stress situations that Jesus probably experienced in that moment more stress and anxiety than any of us will ever go through, and it caused him to sweat drips of, sweat drips, uh, drips of blood. So again, the question is, does God give us more than, he can, than we can handle? Clearly, Jesus, the God-man himself, was going through it. That he does allow us, and you know this from your own experience, to go through things that seem out of reach, too difficult for us. Now, the question is why. I don't have kind of a boxed-up answer to give you as to why God has allowed certain things to happen in your life or in the world. I think many of these things we will not have a satisfying answer to on this side of heaven. And yet, in the midst of that, if we choose to try to, to the best of our ability, cling and follow God in the midst of difficulties, I believe, no matter what your situation may be, that there are two things that all of us can learn when we go through things that are extraordinarily difficult, that go, when we go through things that seem to be more than we can handle. Here is one of the reasons I think why God allows us to go through things that are extremely difficult. Here's one reason. To teach us uh, to depend on his presence. One reason God allows you to experience the things that you have experienced is to teach us to depend not on our presence and our strength, but to experience and depend on his. If I can finish reading what I began with this morning, again, the story of Paul, he's writing, telling them, I'm going through all these difficult things. I even life, even death, we even felt like we were going to die. It says this in verse 9, if we continue. He says again, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And here's why, ready? So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a terrible death, and he will deliver us. We have put our hope in him that he will deliver us again. Again, he was learning to depend on God's presence. Think of it this way. Let's say God answers a prayer that you've been praying for a long time or just does something great in your life. That guy or that girl agrees to go on a date with you. You get that job. You get that dream home. You get that vacation. You win the lottery, whatever it is. In that moment, no one ever says, God, why me? Why did you give me everything I wanted? Or why did you give me some things that I didn't even ask for, but yet in your kindness and your goodness, you decided to give it to me, right? None of us do that. Now, we may thank him and all that sort of thing, but none of us say in the, in the, right after we hear really great news, God, why did you do that? But what do we do when the opposite happens? We often cry out to God and say, God, why? God, I can't handle this. God, what are you doing? Why are you allowing this to happen. What's happening in those moments is in times of difficulty, what is God doing? He's teaching us, he's showing us to not depend on our own perceived strength, but actually to depend on his presence. That's why he allows some of these things to happen. It allows us to experience and see him in ways we never would have otherwise. Uh, this week, I was reading a, a book on church planting, and the author was sharing the story of a guy by the name of Mike Dittman. Uh, Mike Dittman, uh, in his early 30s, he was tall, uh, he was athletic and he was handsome. So I don't know who's writing a story about me. Uh, just kidding. Um, anyway, so he, but he's working out. He's early 30s. And he's, everyone kind of thought like this guy is a rising star. Like he's going to reach a ton of people for Jesus and it's going to be great. Uh, one day in the midst of his workout, he completely collapsed and goes unconscious. Collapses and goes unconscious. They rush him to the emergency room and they perform emergency surgery. Uh, they tell his wife and his two young kids to prepare for the worst. They're not quite sure he's going to survive. Long story short, he survives the surgery. What happened was that he had an unknown uh, genetic defect in the blood vessels in his brain. He had never had any symptoms of it, but he actually had a, uh, an artery explode. And so they were able to fix it. They were able to, to patch it up. Uh, he comes out of the surgery. He survives. And the doctors tell them, 
here's the deal. You can either continue to live your life and go as you're going perfectly healthy. At some point, that artery is going to explode again, and when it does, you will die. It's kind of like a ticking time bomb, but you're going to be healthy until then. Or you eat, we have a kind of an emergency risky procedure that we could perform on your brain. There's not, we cannot guarantee that you will live, and if you do live and the surgery is successful, there is a high probability that you will uh, experience some significant paralysis in your body. So they decide to have the surgery because at least they're going to be guaranteed to, you know, that this kind of time bomb is not going to go off, and if he survives, he'll be able to live. He goes through the surgery. He survives, but a, lot, a large portion of the left side of his body was now paralyzed. In fact, the left side of his face was drooping. His mouth was open. Uh, they, could, they actually had to sew his eye, left eye shut because he couldn't close it. And so after all of that, he, he survives the surgery. Here's what the author says in the book. It's a few sentences long, but I think it's all worth reading. He says this, A few years later, I spoke with Mike about what he had learned through it all. He talked about how his journey had exposed a self-reliance he hadn't known he'd carried. He confessed how prior to the stroke, he operated with an awareness of his giftedness that validated his worth and fed his pride. He admitted how, even though when he tried to purge the darker aspects of his ego, they still flowed up through his actions and his attitude. Then he talked about how his misfortune produced an awareness of God's mercy and presence he had never known before. He told how his intimacy with God as his father had burrowed into the depths of who he was in ways that he could not previously fathom. He shared how his impact for God's kingdom now took a radically different shape. He said he'd come to the place, if he could go back in time, and decide to, for, to forego the surgery or even eliminate the disease entirely, he would choose to walk through it all again for the effect, the effect it had on his heart and his life. Now, that's a powerful story, and as I'm reading this, I'm like, okay, that's crazy. But my favorite part is what the author then does next. He says this, I told him I didn't believe him. That's the kind of thing people say as a coping mechanism when they're trying to spin doctor their situation to protect God's image or convince themselves that they're going to be okay when they're not. But over time, I saw that Mike absolutely meant it. He had become a fundamentally different leader and a different man. He viewed his weakening as a holy gift, and the depth of his impact was forever transformed. You see, what happened here is that Mike was a man who had learned to depend on the presence of God. He'd gone through something extraordinarily difficult, and he had learned to depend on the presence of God. I think, again, think back to my story and losing my dad and what that first year was like. It was hard, and it was difficult, but I experienced a closeness to God I have never experienced beforehand or since, that God came close when I was hurting, that I was able to experience the presence of God in ways I had never have and never would have experienced if not for losing my father. So let me just say this. If you're experiencing difficulties right now, don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Do not let the presence of a storm, difficulties, and hardships in your life cause you to doubt the presence of God. Now, I understand this is way easier said than done, that it is really hard to trust and to follow God when life is hard, but you just need to know that God cares about you and that he's there. And oftentimes, here's what we think when something bad happens. We think that God has abandoned us when in reality, he's as close as he has ever been. That's where he is in the midst of difficulties. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. So that's one thing we can learn. We can learn to depend on the presence of God. Even though it's hard, even though it's painful, it teaches us of his strength and not our own. And here's the second thing we can learn when we go through things that we cannot handle on our own. Here's what it does. 
It teaches us to depend or to experience his power. It teaches us to experience his power. I want to read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We've actually read this passage quite a bunch this year as we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And so I don't know if someone needs to hear it, or maybe it's just me, but I'm going to read it one more time. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, this is Paul, right? This is a superstar Christian, or so we think in our minds. Here's what he says, verse 7. He says, Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to torment me so that I would not exalt myself. Again, we don't know what it was. We don't know if it was a sin issue, if it was a physical ailment, whatever it was, but something that God had allowed in Paul's life to cause him to depend on God's power instead of his own. Verse 8, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness." Therefore, I will most, or gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't think he's saying, I look forward to these hardships. I don't think he's saying, I look forward to getting beaten. But he does say, in the midst of that, what I do look forward to is reminding myself that it's not about me and my strength, but it's about his. And what's interesting here is what Paul does not say what I think sometimes we assume. We read these passages and we assume what he is saying is, after I am weakened, after I go through something difficult, then I'll be strong. It's like the phrase, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Like it's hard in the moment, but if you overcome it after that, you will be strong. That's not what Paul says here. What does he say? When I am weak. In other words, while I am weak, I am experiencing the power of God. Not after I get over it, but in the midst of it. And so sometimes God will allow us to go through things more than we can handle on our own because he teaches us to depend on his presence and teaches us to lean into his power. And so if that's true, right, if we can learn God's presence and power, what do we do, right? Again, what do we do if God will actually give us more than we can handle? How do we experience the things that we just talked about? Here's how. Here's what we need to do. That you and I need to stop pretending we can handle it. That you need to stop pretending when you are going through hardships, when you are going through difficulties, that you can handle it on your own. Because you can't. Uh, there's a, a phrase, and I often want to ask this question when I hear people say it. They'll say, religion is a crutch, right? Religion is a crutch. It's for weak people. It's for people who are hurting. It's for people who just hope one day they can see their loved one again. What I always want to say this is that everybody walks with a limp. The only difference is whether or not you recognize it. The only difference between a follower of Christ and someone who does not follow him is not that the follower of Christ is perfect or has it all together or has all the answers. They've just admitted, admitted the reality of the situation that they need help. Right? All of us need help. All of us are broken. All of us have fallen short of our own standard of goodness. None of us can handle it on our own. And in my experience, sometimes when we are going through difficult times, we've assumed God has abandoned us when we haven't, used, uh, we haven't unlocked or used the, the means of grace that he has given us to go through it. What happens? We don't tell anybody about it. And so we're alone. We're dealing with difficult times. We're depressed. It's going hard. But nobody knows what we're going through, and we're acting like God wasn't there. When God is saying, hey, I'm here. The church is here. The community is here. Don't pretend you are strong enough on your own. If you lean on me and lean on my people, it's not going to make it all better. It's not going to make you feel better overnight, but I will be with you every step of the way. My presence, my power, and my people will show you the love of me that you cannot experience if you pretend to your own demise, to your own shame, to the own wrongness of your soul, that you're strong enough to handle on your own because you and I are not. 
We need to stop pretending we don't have problems when we do. Because when we do that, I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 46. It says this. It says, God, not us, not our strength, not ourselves, not our minds. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, uh, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with turmoil. In other words, in the midst of the difficulties of life, when we don't know what's going to do, we're going to lean on God and his power and his strength and not our own. That is how we are going to face difficult times. We need to stop pretending we can handle it on our own and turn to him and turn to others. Now, so that you don't just take my word for it, if you're new here at New City Church, we have something called the $5 Give Club. We invite people to give an additional $5 once a month that goes to a family or nonprofit in need in our community. And so we want to share with you this morning a family who is going through this very thing, going through something more than they can handle and see how they have experienced God in the midst of it. Turn your attention to the screens. Hey, New City, and welcome back to the $5 Gift Club, where we believe through small amounts we can make a big impact. This month, I was able to sit down with Jen and Evan Emerson as they shared the story of what their family has been walking through these last few years. We cannot wait to share with you how your generosity made an impact this month. So I'm sitting here with Jen and Evan Emerson um, and Malachi Emerson um, in their home. And so why don't you just start us with what these last few years and, and even these few months have looked like for you and your family? Okay. Um, so we actually have another kid as well as this one. We yes. have a daughter who's Evangeline and she's four years old. Um, and both of them over the last uh, basically three years have been diagnosed with a very rare mitochondrial disorder called Lee's syndrome, which um, causes lesions on the brain and muscle weakness and heart and lung, and it could basically affect any any organ in your body. Um, there's currently no treatment or um, even any any drugs to, to give for yeah. it. Um, basically, most kids die um, around the age of three. So our daughter has already surpassed that. Um, our son is two here and he's definitely starting to show signs. He has never walked, he's two years old. Our daughter has never walked. She is uh, just starting to smile again for the first time in Almost a years. year. Yeah. Um, and she has a trach, and she has a vent, and they both have G-tubes. And and so life has not been easy, to say the least, these yeah. last few years. Um, and so what would your response be um, to the phrase that God does not give us more than we can handle? Uh, first of all, I have come to firm belief that it is not only theologically incorrect, but also very, very damaging to um, the hearts of people that are going through genuine struggle. How so? Um, when you're feeling like you're drowning and you're being told that you should be able to handle this. Yeah, yeah. And somehow that, um, that God has specially chosen us to walk through this, which in some ways, yes, maybe he has, yeah. but 
that, you know, somehow he determined that we were, you know, whatever yeah. enough yeah. to walk through this is it's it is feeling it feels very isolating because yeah. all of a sudden it makes it, it a you are different than I am. And I'm sure it's it's with that whole phrase, especially for you guys, if it, if that is true, then if this is more than I can handle, what's wrong with me? Exactly. Yeah. When you hear that phrase, it makes you almost want to, like, you're almost afraid to ask for help because you're like, well, then... Then I must not be able I to handle I must not be able to handle this. Yeah, I say, absolutely. We've seen God act in such amazing ways that I couldn't even imagine because we were like, we need help. And, and, and walk us through some of that because with that question, how have you guys seen the faithfulness of Jesus and just everything that's taken place? Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, having people that we didn't even really know, you know, yeah. sending us yeah. messages and telling us that they're praying for us. And um, we've had uh, one of the ladies in our church pass our story along to someone else in a different church. And we got in the mail. We opened up the mailbox and it was a list of like 20 different names of people. And they were just saying, we're all praying for you. And it was like $2,000. That yeah. they had gotten together, and that's people that had never works, met yeah. us before. Yeah, and um, so there's a lot of there have been many of those instances of of God providing those little moments. So what would you guys say, whether it's Lee syndrome or something else, just parents who are walking through maybe a similar situation and are just feeling hopeless and lost mm-hmm. and fill in the blank? Mm-hmm. What what would you guys say to them? I would say I definitely think of John nine three where it's very easy to think I caused this or it's the sins of mom or dad mm-hmm. or yeah. God caused this. No, it, this this is a reflection of bro- a broken world. God is as broken for your children as you are. I'd actually say a thousand times more. Wow. Yeah. And he's wrecked for your kids, and that this will be part of the glory of God. And it's so interesting. Like I was just thinking about it as you were talking about like you know even before we were filming like you know your prayers of like every time someone prays over your children you're like praying like oh you're gonna get up right now yeah and is it I, I just find it i don't even know what the word is but like do i pray like that and i don't know if i would just because i haven't experienced you know what i'm saying like that yeah it, it's just interesting how god i guess unlocks like more of him it's to be desperate for the lord to know the yeah. lord like yeah. to be so desperate like traveling around trying to find healing in this area and realizing that, you know, this is God's, um, God'll bring this when it's time, if it's time. But like how much it's changed me, how much I'd say that the prayer is a totally different thing where before it was just like, you know, maybe God, if, if it's your will or to praying like God, we used to like thanking God for something that has needed yeah, to happen. Yeah. And yeah. And believing that whatever happens, whatever happens. that he is still good and he's still God and, and knowing that God's that good no matter like. what happens with these kids and to, to hear your yeah. story and just to hear how God has been faithful in everything that you're doing um, I knew it was going to be super encouraging before I came but but after cool. sitting with you guys um, it's been even even more than that and so thank you guys for sharing your story yeah, with us um, but we also have something at New City Church called the $5 Give Club where we invite everybody at our church to give an additional $5 on top of their monthly offering. Okay. And so we wow. actually just have a small gift of $440 oh um, for you guys from our church just to just to come around you guys. And so this this is for you. Well, that's big. I did not expect that. That is amazing. Well, and, and that leads us to our last question, which is how can we pray for you guys? How can we pray for your family? 
everything that's happening, the things that we don't even know are going to happen. How can we pray for you guys? Well, um, I mean, I think anytime anybody asks that question, we are firm believers that God is a God who is the same yesterday and today, yesterday, today and tomorrow. And he was a God of healing in the Bible. We believe he's a God of healing still. Yeah. And so um, even though there are moments when it feels like that healing is further and further away, I also believe that he can do something miraculous. Yeah, yeah. And instantaneous if he so chooses. Yeah. And so we always ask for that prayer. And and prayer that we would continue to find the joy of the Lord in whatever that looks like. Yeah, that's good. So first, I just want to say thank you for your generosity and making stories like that possible. Uh, and that's what we're talking about today, that you and I can pretend to our own peril that we can handle it on our own when the reality is we can't. So here's why we need to stop pretending that we can handle it. You rock. Because you can't handle it. You hear stories like that. They can't handle it. And I don't want us to fall into the trap of comparing, well, I haven't gone through what that person's gone through, so I shouldn't you know, complain or it's not hard for me. Listen, if you are going through something and it's difficult for you, then it's difficult. And it is only to our, again, it's to our shame and our own demise when we pretend falsely that we can handle it because we can't. We can't handle it. And we're finally honest about that, no matter what we may be going through. When we are honest, when we are going through things that we cannot handle, we have to turn to God. Here is what happens. Here's what's so beautiful. Again, Paul in 2 Corinthians, here's what he says to do. He says, therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Listen to me this morning. Suffering, what you may be going through, may not feel temporary. It may feel all-encompassing. It may be really, really running your life, in fact, ruining your life. But the good news of the gospel is that it will not last forever. The good news of the gospel is that Christ came to do for you what you and I could not do for ourselves, where one day in his kingdom, there is no more Lee syndrome. There is no more death. There is no more pain. There's no more crying. There's no more tears. And it's not because we tried really hard to be good people. It's because Jesus gladly gave himself up in the midst of his own not being able to handle it so that anyone who would trust and follow Jesus in the midst of our doubts and our hangups and our questions can experience the mercy of God that is awaiting for us and in the life to come. And when we see that, when we focus on what is ahead because of the gift that Christ has given us, and it gives us the strength and the power to endure even the hardest of things, even the things that are the most sufferable in our life, that we focus on him and the gospel is the good news, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, that Jesus has gladly laid down his life for you so that eternal, incomparable weight of glory can be yours, not by you trying really hard, but by you trusting and following in him. And so because of that, as we talk about difficult things, you may be going through hard things in your life right now. Here's basically the main point, what I want us to take away from the topic that we looked at this morning, and that's this, that God will never give you more than he can handle. 
you will go through things that are too difficult for you. Some of you are going through them right now, but the good news is this, that it may be hard and it may be overwhelming and it may be too difficult for you, but it is not too difficult to God. Like we saw in the video that God is more wrecked and more devastated than we are, and he is providing a way out for us to trust in his presence and his power, and it may not do, the things may not go the way we want them to go, but ultimately if they bring us closer to him, in some ways it is our grace in our, his grace in our lives to allow us to go through things that we can't handle because it shows us that he can and it draws us closer to him. Here, here's the problem, right? Here's the problem when we falsely believe that God will never give you more than you can handle. The problem is this, that it causes you to focus inward instead of Godward. And if all, it causes you to think, what's wrong with me that I can't handle this? Because you can't. But when you understand that you can, it actually causes you and I to lift up our eyes to the heavens, to see God, to worship our king, and to beg him to move on our behalf and to trust him when he doesn't do things the way we want him to do it. God will never give you more than he can handle, even if it's too hard for you. And so going back to the story that I began with, with Verizon and my managers, you know, so later in that day, the guy comes, well, he's coming back later that evening, right? And so I'm trying to think of, again, I can't, in my own, I can't handle this situation, so what do I do? And I'm like, okay, well, it's going to be really busy around like, you know, lunchtime, it's Saturday, so I'm going to go to my manager when it's really busy and just say, hey, I need an M2. And an M2 is a manager-approved upgrade. So basically, it's early upgrades. Uh, we're not supposed to give very many of them out, but there's a few we can give out a month. And so I go to my manager when it's really busy, and I'm like, he's going to be too busy. He's not going to like want me to explain what happens, and, I, and they trust me, so he's going to be like, fine, whatever, because I got stuff I got to do. So I go to him when it's busy. My plan works. He says, that's fine. And so later in the day, when the, per the customer wasn't even there, but because I had my manager's passwords, because I give it to him, gave them to me. I know what I had to do, right? And so I had to kind of like, you know, manipulate him a little bit to get what I wanted. The good news is you don't have to do that to God, okay? All right, so but later that day, the guy comes in. I'm like, he's like, and I'm like, great news. I got it handled. I did it for, we got this thing fixed. I got on his phone. I dodged a bullet. He was happy. All these things were great. But what happened? Again, I could not handle it on my own. I had to go to somebody who could. And my fear is that some of us will walk out of these doors and be inspired by this message and still keep down our struggles, our pains, and our hardships, and we will not share it with anybody. Don't let that be your story. If you want to experience healing and grace and the mercy and the power and the presence of God, one of the ways that God gives us his grace is through his people. I remember after my dad passed away, that, that year was obviously incredibly difficult, but the way that our church, the way that our friends and family came around us, provided for us, whether it was financial things or just sitting with us or hanging out with us, all, you know, serving us, doing all these things, right, they helped us handle a situation that is unhandleable. I don't even know that's a word, but that's how bad it is, right? He helped us get through something that we could never do on our own that we cannot handle things that you have, will be, or maybe are currently going through things that you can't handle. And I just want to take the pressure off and tell you, just be honest about it. Because you're not fooling anybody but yourself if you think, if you think that you can handle something that you're going through again. You and I will and often do go through things that are too difficult for us to handle, but they are not too difficult to God. And the good news of the gospel is even if your difficulty is self-inflicted, he still loves you, he still cares for you, and he's still inviting you back to him and into his community and into his church. Remember, God will never give you more than he can handle, and the invitation is to come and to follow and to trust in him. Let's pray.